Season two, episode two of Chaturangas. We have Alex McGrobs and Yasmin here. Yasmin D. <laughs> is that what I called you last time? Yeah, me D. Hi guys. How is everybody? How's everyone doing? I know you can't answer, but the thought <laughs> that counts. Uh, I love that I make you laugh, Alex. That always makes me so happy. <laughs> I laugh all the time when we're doing these recordings. It's so much fun. Yeah. That my laugh always overtakes yours. So it always sounds like I'm laughing at myself. <laughs> you're just being quiet and rolling your eyes. I always kind of, I, you're not an eye roller. Like you've never done that. But I, when I'm editing these, I always kind of picture that. Just like I say something and everyone else is silent. You know what? That's funny that you said I'm not an eye roller because when my mom listens to this, she is going to beg to differ because the first time I ever got into trouble at school when I was four was when um, a teacher asked me to do something and I rolled my eyes at them. Like I was oh. a big eye roller as a four-year-old, five-year-old. <laughs> but I don't do it anymore because I'm nail kind <laughs> and I was not yeah. as a kid. The first time I got in trouble for school is because I said a curse word. Oh, really? Third grade. Third grade? That was the first time you got in trouble? Yeah, because teachers always really liked me. I was funny. And I wasn't even that much in trouble. I just said, I don't know what he's so pissed off about. And the teacher was like, where did you learn that word? He's like, my sister is 12. <laughs> <laughs> I think in Canada, you could just say that word and it wouldn't be a curse word. I think that she was just kind of shocked because it was right after the Gulf War mm. and this like eight-year-old chubby Arab kid in pigtails is saying so flawlessly and in a perfect sentence. Mm -hmm. I don't know what he's so pissed off about. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was more of like a shock and then she felt like she had to. Be like, okay, don't say that in class. <laughs> so, so, yeah. But that's my first memory of being somewhat in trouble at school. Anyway. I was so, a troublemaker. You were a troublemaker? You were scrappy? Yeah, but I don't think my mom actually heard about a lot of the, the trouble that I got into. So, like a lot of the things, I'll tell you one thing I did. Um, I dared a kid to throw another boy's hat into the garbage can. And then the teacher came to me and said to me, she was like, well, if someone told you to jump off a bridge, would you do it? And I was like, and I was like, you're confused because I was the one that peer pressured that person. <laughs> I was like, see, I told them to jump off the bridge and they did it. So you should ask that question to them, <laughs> not to me. <laughs> but I, don't, I don't think that teacher, I think she's like, you're a smart aleck. I don't think she ever told my mom. <laughs> she's like, I mean, you're a teacher. You can, you can appreciate that. Like when a kid says something that's just too funny or it's 
clever and it's not like that bad then you have to let it go right be like you're a little bit of a smart ass totally you're gonna go far in life (laughs) (laughs) well so um should we do our gratitude practice yeah let's do our gratitude practice what are you grateful for this week or today What am I grateful for this week? To be honest, I'm, I'm really grateful for nature. I'm grateful for how the look of anything, like right now for me, it's greenery, but even when I'm living in Kuwait, I'm able to see the beauty of Kuwait, even though everyone always says that Kuwait is ugly because it's a desert and there's very little lushness there. I actually think it's really pretty. and when I do see a tree over there or a shrub or anything, I'm still really grateful for it, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm very much a, a green person. I'm always attracted to the color green. I'm attracted to trees. I'm attracted to plants. I'm attracted to all, to all that. I guess, you know, it's fitting because my name is Yasmin, but it is a plant, <laughs> but yeah. Um, I'm just really grateful that it surrounds me and that it's so accessible to me over here. And it's just such a literal breath of fresh air, mm-hmm. even when things are, are bleak. How about you? Um, I also spent time in nature, different nature though. I was on the beach, um, which I actually think is a man-made beach. So not really nature, but... <laughs> Um, really, really beautiful two days on Sadiat Island, which is like just around the corner from where I live. And, um, yeah, I just walked forever on the beach into nowhere and it was very empty. Um, and yeah, it was just very healing to be at the ocean, you know, the sound of the ocean, the the waves and the sunset, sunrise, like really beautiful. Mm. Got a lot of sleep. It was all good. Oh, sleep is great, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I've been finding lately that I've been falling asleep in my shavasanas. It must mean you need it. I guess. I guess. It's not like there's anything that's keeping me from sleeping, though, to be honest with you. So... But my sleep has been getting better, thankfully. Another little bit of gratitude there. Um, So this also kind of ties into what we wanted to talk about today. Just how, like, we felt like last season we were digging in to the, the theory of yoga and just kind of dissecting the different limbs and the different ways to practice yoga and what to keep in mind. Because as you all know, yoga doesn't only happen on your mat. It happens in your life. It happens while you're grocery shopping, while you're talking to your friends, while you're doing anything, really. It's uh, about mindfulness, essentially speaking. But we wanted to talk about like the physical journey of yoga and how it can how it can play a positive role in your life if you feel as though there are things that are not necessarily going well <laughs> in your life for lack of 
better. I, I'm being really jumbly about this. Basically, if you are feeling sick, if you're feeling depressed, anxious, anything, there's a yoga for that. Would you agree, Alex? Mm-hmm. How has that helped you in the past, do you think? I think that the really nice thing about yoga is that there's like a hundred million different ways that you can practice and different, different styles and um, you can find what you need and you don't have to like, if you're having, like, I can think of a summer in my life when I was very depressed and um, I did not feel like doing any power vinyasa or anything strong or anything intense. So I just like did a lot of yin, you know? Um, or even last year when I was doing my bar certification, I just was like low on energy. And so I only did yin yoga, you know? And so for different like seasons and phases of your life, exactly what you're saying, like there's a yoga for everything. Mm -hmm. And do you feel like, I mean, this is something I've always struggled with. I think that I'm going through because I think you remember like when the beginning with the MLPC, when we first started, well, when you first started in March and I was going to a lot of the, or April, March, April, I was going to a lot of the, the active classes as well as the yins. I had a good balance going on, but then something happened and I've basically only been doing yins and gentle flows when I show up at all. Mm-hmm. But the vinyasa here, there, mindful bar here, there. Um, uh, do you feel like if someone is judging themselves for just doing that, how do you let go of that judgment? I don't think, I think you need to look at yourself with like loving, loving kindness, you know, this is what I need right now. And uh, you're honoring that, right? Nothing to judge. Yeah, that is, uh, I think it's a huge struggle for a lot of people like, well, I think that the number one thing that people need to realize about yoga in order to let it heal you is to release the expectations. Mm-hmm. Let go of any expectation that you have. Let go of the image, the pressure, because it's not supposed to be any of that at all. Mm-hmm. There was a time when like I was doing a lot of yoga and I was starting to feel like it was really, this was during my Bikram days and I was starting to dread it, you know, and it was just giving me anxiety. Like it was, I would enjoy myself once I'd get up and go to the class, but thinking about going and seeing my mats in the corner of the room, it just made me, it made me start to regret ever having gotten into it because it just felt like such pressure. It felt like something that I plagued myself with, you know, being like, oh, I have to go. I have to do this. I have to keep up with my practice. And I mean, part of what was so unattractive about Bikram was just that it was the same class over and over again. Mm -hmm. Bikram actually never really changed. And it's like every single, I'm pretty sure, I mean, I'm, 
anybody out there who has done Bikram in the past, I know a couple of our community members are uh, familiar with Bikram. It's been years for me, so I don't remember, but I don't feel like there were different levels, were there? I don't think so. I think it was just Bikram. Yeah. That was just it. Exactly. And you could either do it at like 9 a.m. or 4 p.m. or whatever. And it was basically always going to be the same class yeah. with a different instructor. So I think that that kind of, that's what I like about the MLPC is the variety, I yeah. guess. But I need to stop beating myself up for not doing the powers or the vinyasas or Take it easy. I think life ebbs and flows and you'll come back to it. Like last summer, as I was saying, I didn't do a single yoga class that wasn't yin um, mm -hmm. for the whole two months. And that was for a different reason because I was like getting obsessive with bar. I was like addicted to bar. And I also had a PT and was learning how to weight lift. <laughs> and so there was just nothing in me that could do anything other than just like lie on a pillow for an hour. <laughs> Um, and that was my practice and like, that's, there's nothing wrong with that, you know, and, and it's not like you're walking away from yoga. It's just like, this is how my practice is looking for this season of my life. And, um, and that's okay. I like that for this season of my life, mm -hmm. which season of this would, which season would this be for me? In terms of yoga, I would say season. I've done a lot of yoga over the years, but I think there, I think I had like four main phases mm -hmm. in my life where I'd done it the most. So I'm going to say this is season four. I love that. I love that you're numbering the seasons. Maybe season five. I know. I, I love seasons, guys. <laughs> That's it. Right? I was actually speaking to my um, business coach a little bit this week about um, something for me is that I'm finding, I love taking other teachers, teachers classes on the MLPC. It's wonderful, but it's also not really a break for me because um, I'm still at work if I'm taking the class, you know? And so I was thinking about how can I get a meditation or some kind of like relaxation that isn't yoga because I just am yoga all the time now. And um, I was saying how walking on the beach for me was like a meditation because I put my phone away and I was gone for like two hours down the beach, you know? And I think that for me, that's a form of practice, right? It's a walking meditation. And um, maybe that's what my yoga practice is going to look like right now. Um, um, uh, you know what? It's actually really funny. During your, so today, uh, we record these episodes on Wednesdays, and uh, today, Alex subbed for Mark. Yeah. Um, Gentle Flow. And it was a great class. I loved it. I kept weaving in and out in terms of like when we were doing our seated meditation and our shavasana, I kept like kind of seeing weird things. It was crazy. I think I was also just like falling asleep in general, but. I realized something and I forgot, I think you said something that triggered this in me, but I had this thought that, and like when I do yoga, when I finally submit to everything, I get out of this and then that's what allows me to have these epiphanies. So I have anxiety. 
I have uh, mild agoraphobia. And I think that I used to feel really ashamed by this, but I'm realizing that it's very, very normal now, especially within people, like, especially people within my age group. Um, and it's basically like, so when I'm in wide open spaces, I, it can trigger an anxiety attack. So sometimes even just like crossing a certain street just doesn't feel right to me. I can't really leave the house without having a bottle of water with me or like a granola bar and a granola bar just in case I get low blood sugar in case like I have a panic attack. There's, there's just, I have little things that I need to have with me that keep me to keep me safe. Um, my cell phone, if I don't have a working phone with me, I freak out. And I think that being so into something as small as our phones that holds so much information, like we literally, when we're on our phones, we jump into the screen and we dive into this world that's so difficult to get out of, that it's made us scared of our own bodies in real time, when you're not looking at the phone, when you're not using it, when you're just living how we used to. Does that make any sense? Yeah. It yeah. was kind of like my, yeah, it was like my trip earlier. I was like, because sometimes that's when my anxiety is triggered. Like when I'm walking and I'm listening to a podcast or something, I enjoy listening to podcasts also just to not make me feel like I'm alone. I enjoy listening to music or whatever. But when I'm walking and my phone is tucked away, and I'm not really carrying anything, and I'm just using my body, and everything just feels a little bit too like it did back in the day before I was tied to anything, and then I start palpitating, I start freaking out, you know? Mm -hmm. So, in theory, me not looking at my phone for 60 minutes, because that's, I think that's what I was thinking about when you posted that, saying that Yoga is not looking at your phone for 60 minutes mm -hmm. every day. And uh, me not looking at my phone for 60 minutes, when I'm at home, it's no problem. But when I'm out in the world and I'm vulnerable, it's such a challenge. So when you practice in a studio, how do you handle that? That's fine, too. I don't know why, because it's like in a closed space or everyone else is doing the same thing. I don't know what it is. I don't know why it doesn't freak me out in the studio. It's literally just out on the street or out in public, like when I'm walking, when I'm by myself. Mm -hmm. What do you think it is about the, what does it, how does it comfort you? Like using the phone or something? The phone doesn't comfort me. I think it's just that that world that I go into is more condensed, even though it's actually like bigger mm -hmm. than the world that I'm physically in right now. Oh, now I'm just saying a bunch of gibberish, but help me, Alex. How does yoga help this in your opinion? <laughs> um, well, I'm, I'm certainly addicted to my phone. Um, it's definitely a problem. Um, like I have to set a time lapse in order to stay off my phone for the hour when I take other teachers' classes. Um, and I, uh, 
it's it's like my it's a, the best and worst thing about me because I'm very reachable by all the members of the MLPC when they need anything, but that's because I'm addicted to my phone. Um, <laughs> and um, that's why the idea of going to the beach more often is so appealing to me because it gives me a time when there's so much beauty in like the ocean and, and there's so much you're experiencing, you're walking barefoot, you feel the sun on you, you're sweating. And it's just, I don't feel like I need to be on my phone in that moment, you know? And um, I mean, yoga gives you an opportunity to, to be off your phone for 60 minutes. And that's one of the great ways of being in the studio um, is that you're off tech for 60 minutes, which we're so, we're so connected 24 seven. Like, I don't think it's good for us. It clearly isn't. Like, do you know how many people have told me that they have the same kind of issue that I have? Like, or like, they'll be like, it's happened to me before. Yeah. Just feeling like things are a little bit too wide or things are a little bit too. And, you know, I think that that comes from also just staring at a small screen. Mm -hmm. you're staring at a small screen it makes you feel like you're in a smaller world and then when you're out in the real world it just seems so big and overwhelming especially when you're by yourself mm -hmm. things are just like never ending I think another thing is that the power of the technology at your fingertips is always having answers because mm -hmm. that is what your phone will always give you is an answer or a way out or a solution, just something really, really quick. But when you're like, when you are in a tech free situation, anything can happen. It's like, it's something you can't control. So my question is, and for all of our listeners out there who also face like a similar kind of anxiety with control and everything, um, how does yoga, I keep, I keep going back to asking you, how does yoga help us? But like, no, I'm being serious. So maybe we could recommend some movements or ideas that come along with like with mindfulness, for example, mm -hmm. you know, just kind of dissecting how we feel when we do feel triggered. Breathing, box breathing is extremely is very, very uh, beneficial at moments like these and calming you down. Mm -hmm. you know? and, and I do think that there are some certain postures that like trigger calmness if you can do them. Yeah, I think it, it definitely, um is like unique to every individual and like, you know, what feels good in their body. Um, I think Viparita Karani, legs up the wall is a big one. Um, I've always loved it. Blood going back to the brain, any kind of inversion, you know, it like boosts your mood because it puts your, um, your head below your heart. Like um, even, a mild like a down dog or a forward fold you know and it just kind of like helps you I don't know let go um but I, I think it's it's very much individual right like 
you, you get people who experience anxiety who come into the class and for example, they find yin really nice for them. And then you have people who come in with the same, the same issue and they find that their mind just races in the yin poses and it just doesn't work for them, you know? And so I feel like I would, I would recommend for, for people to, to try out different things and see what helps them, you know? You well, know what? I think I'm going to try if I get worked up when I'm on one of my nature walks, then maybe I'll try a little forward fold. There's a lot of cool pranayama, like box breathing for sure. I found something that really, really works for me these days that I love is the Nadi Shodana, the alternate nostril. Mm. Um, when you walk the nose and then you I love it. Yeah. I find that that, because it requires so much thinking of, you know, plug, inhale, plug, exhale, that um, it just, it just really brings me into like the present moment. Oh, I'm tired. <laughs> so I guess it's, yeah, it's about finding what works for you. I tried to uh, teach, I do these workouts on Wednesdays with a group of people online. And I tried to lead them into that uh, as a breathing exercise. And I felt so cool. It was like I was having a yoga teacher moment, which I've always wanted. Do you want to be a yoga teacher? I've always wanted to be one. Yeah, but I'm not ready. I'm not, I'm not there yet. There are some things I need to, there are some places I need to get to first before I take that step. Mm -hmm. I thought I honestly, I was more ready in 2017 than I am now, mm -hmm. you know, but I think about it all the time. Anyway, one day it'll happen. Um, but now that I did crow yesterday, yay! I know it was for a second, but it was the longest that I'd ever held it. Oh, we did crow today with you in mind, actually. Because remember, we, we, we were reading Poser in book club and she talked about doing Crow Upside Down and I said, we're going to do it on Wednesday, come to my class. And I woke, yeah, up today. Okay. I woke up today and I was like, we're doing Crow today, but I didn't know why. It just came to my head. And then it was midway through. I'm like, okay, we're doing a Crow themed class. And then midway through, I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> it's because of book club. Like I just had no idea why I was doing what I was doing. <laughs> I was thinking, I was like, what was it that Alex told me to come to on Wednesday? But this morning, like, I had such a busy morning, and I got home, and I was finally able to eat something, and then I we had gentle, like, an hour later, so I needed that hour downtime. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, but, okay, thank you for clearing that up. It was driving me crazy. <laughs> I was like, what is it that I'm actively missing right now? <laughs> later on. <laughs> But um, honestly, I also, something else about yoga that's always fascinated me, and this is another peek into like my, my lavender and lemons. <laughs> so my true self, you know, wanting to be a yoga teacher and just loving writing and researching anything about like beauty and health and wellness. I'm really, really into that and then, like deep down inside. And I think that yoga has something to offer in everything, like digestion, for example. Do you know that if you do child's pose 
for, I think they say even just like five minutes in the morning, five minutes and that, like they say 15 minutes a day if you try to do child's pose, which is difficult. It's really hard to stay in child's pose for a long time, in mm. my opinion, even though it's, it's a resting position, but that's really good for your digestion. Oh, I didn't know that. Because it's the thighs are massaging like your innards. Ah, that's probably why uh, apanasana, uh, when relief pose, when you take your knee into your chest. Yeah. Same thing, just the opposite. Exactly. So that's also good for your digestion. Uh, they also say that as soon as you wake up in the morning, the forward fold is just like, when, yeah, like that's still forward fold. Mm -hmm. What's it called? Supta. The one that you hate. Oh, a wide-legged forward fold. Uh, oh, for no, supta is reclined. Uh, oh, supta is reclined. Janu, something. Shirshasana, Janu Shirshasana. I keep thinking about Tara because <laughs> she used to just like teach us all of them, and then she would just like sing them or <laughs> to, like say funny things, you know and. But yeah, uh, that is also really good for you. First thing in the morning, it's supposed to just kind of like, I, I guess, is that an example of your head being higher than your heart? No, that would be your head being lower than your heart, right? Yeah, which is the same. Yeah. Inversion. So I can see that being a good pose for first thing in the morning, just to like get yourself energized and light up a little spark you know mm -hmm. what about sickness though have you ever heard of anything that would help like when you're feeling sick rather than i know legs up the wall cures all in a <laughs> sense um i mean i've always just practiced even when i'm sick <laughs> um like i was actually sick at the beginning of starting the MLPC for a little while. Um, and I was teaching every day, all types of classes, even though I wasn't feeling very well. Um, I've always done, I've always like pushed through it, <laughs> but um, I, I mean, I guess probably a restorative practice. Yeah, I guess a restorative practice would be a good way to just kind of like, because restoratives are also, they're cooling, aren't they? Mm. So that's when you would want your body to kind of like cool down and relax and just kind of chill out. I'd also argue that this is good for menstruation as well. I once had a yoga teacher in Kuwait who told me not to flow the first few days of my cycle because like, and a lot of people say like, don't put your legs up. Mm -hmm. um, don't practice headstand. Don't do legs up the wall. Don't do, although I don't think that legs up the wall would do anything. I kind of, I'll be honest with you. I kind of disagree with that whole mentality. Um, I remember being exposed to it when I was a young teenager, 
when I did yoga for teens and, and they told us that we couldn't do yoga if we had our period. And, um, I just remember feeling like it was very exclusive. Like that's, that's how it feels to me. Like it's like saying to women that they can't practice because they have their period and there's no scientific evidence, um, that I've ever come across that, that says that this is a valid point. <laughs> um, and so, and I've, I've continued to practice on my period my whole life and um, never had an issue. <laughs> so I, I personally don't agree with that. Um, I guess it's, it's one of those things, you know, there's no, there's no right or wrong. There's just different opinions. And um, yeah. it would depend on just how you feel. Right. Anyway, yeah. Like if you can handle it, if you can't. Yeah. People's cycles come in different strengths and lengths and sizes and whatever right for me personally i do like to take the time to just do more gentle i mean but i i'm i've only been doing gentle these days anyway so that doesn't change anything but but yeah great I, but what i personally disagree with is teachers telling students they can't practice because they have their period i feel like that's up for the individual to decide if they want to or not. You know, I don't think it's for me to say to anyone how they should be living their life, you know? <laughs> and if there really isn't, yeah, because it also just makes you feel like, like I remember being like, is there anything dangerous? Is there anything wrong with it? I've always heard, just don't do headstand, don't do this, don't do that. When you Like I haven't heard, I mean, to be fair, on that teacher's uh, defense, she didn't tell me not to practice. She just told me not to do, like, vinyasa. Mm -hmm. You know, she was like, do a yin, do a whatever, just chill out for a little bit. And so that kind of gave me that mentality. But then in other classes, I would always hear, if you're menstruating, don't do, uh, not plow, the uh, shoulder stand. Mm -hmm. You always hear, don't do shoulder stand when you're menstruating. And what's Why? the science behind that? <laughs> what is the science behind that? There's, there's a lot of things that teachers say in yoga that, that there's no scientific evidence to prove. I'm going to be completely honest. Like there's things like for years, I didn't teach open hip and closed hip transitions. So for example, warrior one to transition to warrior two or half moon transition to warrior three, because people have been telling me all my life that it's not safe to move your hip that way. Can I tell you something? You move your hips in all directions when you're skiing, when you're playing basketball. Why is it that in these slow controlled movements on our yoga mat, it's not safe to move our hip joint, which is a ball and socket joint in all directions, right? And so I didn't do it for years. And then I came across this amazing Instagrammer who's just like debunking all these ridiculous things that we just parrot because we've heard it for years after years and we've said it, don't, don't do yoga on your period. Don't do a closed hip, open hip flow. And when you actually think about it, you're like, there's nothing unsafe about that. Or like, for example, another one we're taught, stack your knee above your ankle, never shoot it forward, never shoot it back. But you move your knee further forward than your ankle when you walk up the stairs <laughs> like that's a safe movement for the joint right 
And I'm still stuck in that where I'm always giving you that alignment cue. And for some people, it might feel better in their body to have their knee further forward. And there's nothing unsafe about that, that we have found scientific evidence around. And so I just think I'm not saying that that teachers are wrong when they're saying don't do yoga on your period because it's definitely been said year after year through thousands of years. I'm just saying I don't, I've never come across evidence that has argued that. And so I'm not going to say to students, you can't do yoga on your period because I don't have any proof that that is important. Um, you know, sorry, I just went on a rant, but um, yeah, I love it. Yeah, I think there's, I like this topic wasn't because I was getting worried. I was like, are we wrong? We're not wrong. <laughs> no, 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 we're not wrong. There's, there's so many things like that. It's just, you need to be, it's like, you know, our, our session we had with Kat the other week, you need to be constantly questioning and, and, um, you know, moving forward and, and doing the right things. Like, it's like, you know, for, for many years we did adjustments in a system. We just touched students whenever we wanted to. And now we're like, now being a trauma-informed teacher means not doing that. Right. And so, um, that's my, I wouldn't say that you're wrong. I don't think there's right or wrong. It's just, um, my personal opinion has never been to, to advocate to not do yoga on your period, you know? Yeah. So to anyone out there who gets their period, keep doing yoga. I mean, or research it yourself. If you, you know, like. Yeah. Or uh, research it yourself. We're <laughs> not going to tell you what to do. Alex will <laughs> never tell you what to do. But what would you tell people not to do? Well, the one thing I thought of, I was saying a few minutes ago um, that I used to, that I practice all the time when I'm sick. Uh I would say something I've learned over the years is that I should not be going to the studio when I'm sick. Oh, <laughs> no, I should not go yeah, as a teacher. Lesson. Yeah. I should not go as a student. Like if you're doing yoga on Zoom, it's totally different because you're not exposing people. But I would say not physically going to the studio. And that's something we've all learned through COVID is like we really should take our sickness more seriously and like not expose people just to be more mindful, you know, like it used to always be like, oh, I'm the warrior who's still at work, even though I can't, you can't even hear my voice. That was me in January, you know, like I couldn't even talk and I was still at work. I shouldn't be there. Like, and you just think you're a warrior by not taking a sick day. Um, but it really, it just exposes pe other people to your sickness, you know? And that's the good thing about the work from home movement that came along with all of this because there is a difference between being so sick that you can't do anything and being sick uh, you can work but like staying away from others because you care about them like I was even telling somebody that no matter how because I'm not feeling that great right now if I was actually sick and this was the worst of it I could still totally do work like I could still write my article that's coming out soon I could still apply for jobs I could still do anything anybody needs me to do for them I'm just choosing to not be around people right now just to not get them sick so in the future once things do go back to like normal or if they've already started to I think that people need to hold on to that a little bit more just being like it can be business as usual but you can do it from home just to keep others safe and 
yeah. even after we get the vaccine, even after this is all over. Like when you have the common cold or like you have the flu, then work from home. Yeah, a hundred percent. That's it. No matter how small it is, you know, just because I, I really hope we've all learned our lesson <laughs> after all of this. Yeah. Or like I worked in um I worked in places where like in my in one of my jobs you would get paid extra if you didn't take sick days. Um, and it was a lot of money at the end of the year that you could make. And, and so that made people not want to be sick. Um, and same with like, like we get a certain amount of sick days and I've, yeah, I've heard that, that, you know, teachers are sometimes given a hard time if they take a certain amount of sick days. And it's like, at the end of the day, it's probably better that they're out sick than exposing their 30 students to the cold they have you know mm. Mm. yeah exactly like I find that also doing yoga during this time has helped me become more mindful yeah and I'm hoping that other people have been experiencing that too right like when you bring a practice like this into your into your life regularly especially like at a time like this where we're all when we've all been cooped up and have been dedicating ourselves to distraction um uh, it helps with the decision making process in terms of that like so you just kind of point out what has been abnormal or what hasn't been favorable in terms of how life was in general not pointing out anybody's life in particular but just the general accepted life because I think everybody can relate to that what you said that their workplace so your workplace it was celebrated if you didn't get sick or if you were sick and you pulled through and you came in any way yeah you know which when, prior to COVID I never really thought about how on healthy like the school environment is I mean of course I thought about it and we all talked about it we're all sick all the time but when you really think about it and COVID makes you think of that term these setup right I have 26 kids in this tiny room and two adults and there's not even two meters of personal space between us which we're now learning when we try to space these kids two meters you know and and you're like wow that is really like of course people are getting sick all the time. Of course, we're sharing germs all the time. And like, um, it's just the first time I've ever critically thought about this kind of stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. Critical thinking, exactly. I think that mindfulness can lead to critical thinking. Yeah, totally, which is so important. It's very important because we can't just accept things the way they are all the time. It's not the way the world works. Well, it is, but it doesn't have to stay that way. Yeah. We can take back the mess of a century that we made and it's kind of start over, right? Or just start anew. Um, yeah. Another thing I wanted to talk to, uh, wanted to talk about in terms of yoga and how like finding wellness in yoga can help with uh, insecurity. 
I think that that's a big one, actually. I think that yoga, practicing yoga can really give you a sense of confidence and security because it's not easy. A lot of postures, like even if they look easy to do, they really aren't. Mm-hmm. No? It's like that book we're reading right now, Postures. Who is it by? A poser. Sorry, I don't know. <laughs> Claire Dieter. I was-, I was listening to it in the car today when I went to and from the eye doctor. Mm, I feel like I would have enjoyed it as an audiobook more than an actual book, by the way. It's what? a good book. Don't yeah. get me wrong. It's nicely written, but like, but yeah, I feel like it, I feel like she would have, if it's her narrating it, or no, it probably isn't, right? It is. I think it is her. I don't know. Well, I'm sure I can hear it being narrated well. Yes. Yeah. I'm yeah. enjoying it. But she keeps going back to that. So uh, if anybody out there doesn't know, the book is um, about this woman's you know she's in her 30s new mom it's her journey with yoga and in each chapter she just kind of like relates a life lesson or like some kind of funny anecdote or like a story to a posture that has resonated with her in class like eagle and just like the twistedness of her family (laughs) you know or like uh crow pose and watching her mom take off in life and just just like the the metaphor of taking off in life and flying and landing and i I, that's as far as i've gone (laughs) that's like chapter four (laughs) but yeah um but in it she's also mentioning just like pride that people feel when that she sees like her classmates, fellow practitioners, for lack of a better term, uh, feel and when they achieve a pose or when she achieves a pose, like even one that I personally, because my entire life triangle has always been a pose that I've mastered. Now, next thing, Alex is going to see me do triangles. She's going to be like, you're terrible at triangle. (laughs) But no, actually, triangle has always been my pose always ever since I was young it's just it's been because I have a pretty good alignment in that sense from ballet Mm. days when I was younger so I've always been able to like do it really straight (laughs) and I'm proud of it you know and that's what gives me confidence but then like crow for example I couldn't do it for years I can still barely do it I just did it yesterday what you did it you should be so proud of yourself it was just a second. I mean, I don't know if it counts. Oh, it does count, 100%. But yeah, you've also talked about like feeling insecure in yoga a lot and then just... Oh my God, I struggled so much with it. Like when I would, for so long, I would look around the room and just think that I like sucked. Um, and that was like, I had a lot of mental health issues when I came to yoga. Um but I think, yeah, you're right. Like once you achieve certain poses and especially when I see beginners now, because it's so, it's so natural to me to just be in yoga poses all the time now. So I've been doing it for 10 years that I just don't even remember what it was like. Like I, 
um, and I taught a class with beginners with their cameras on the other day, and it was a really big reality check of like, wow, this is quite hard, you know? Um, it's not easy. It's challenging. It's very brave of people to, to come into it, especially like, you know, later in life or, um, you know, with different barriers and, but when you do achieve certain poses, it's like so empowering, so empowering. It's really, really, it's interesting and easy to forget. Like, especially for people like us who've been doing yoga since we were young, whether super consistently or like off and on, like I have, it's really easy to forget that people haven't just been doing yoga since they were teenagers. Yeah. You know, I always, it always like, and I mean this without any judgment or anything, because like all these people can probably do a bunch of things that I can't do, like run. I cannot run. I'm not a runner. I never have been. I'll like peel over in an asthma attack if I run, you know. But it is something that's interesting, just that like people do come into it later on in life, which I think is amazing. And it's harder for them to get into what we find are like the easiest poses, like even downward dog. Mm -hmm. Some people can't bend that way. Totally. So there's no yoga pose too small or too simple to like achieve Mm -hmm. and master and make you feel like you're graduating towards like other postures and. Mm -hmm. Totally. Actually, there's been a request for seniors yoga, which I hadn't uh, put on the schedule because I didn't think seniors would know how to work Zoom. And like, of course, now they all know because it's, we've been in this pandemic for four months. I know, (laughs) I was doing seniors uh, YouTube yoga because I just thought that was easier for them. But now I'm like, yeah, they can figure it. They got this. (laughs) Let's put it on the schedule. Let's see how it goes. So. Yeah. Have you had anyone sign up yet? Oh, I haven't actually scheduled it. It's just been a few um, requests. So it's something that I'm uh, definitely looking into putting on the schedule. So any seniors, anyone out there? <laughs> any, just trying to picture my grandmother doing yoga. <laughs> <laughs> oh, cute. So yeah, anyone out there who's just started their practice and you're excited about new poses, postures that you're achieving, keep going. You're not alone. It's easy to build your confidence that way. Now that we're talking about it, I actually kind of miss those days. Like, um, I feel like I'm so, um, there's not many new poses that I'm achieving anymore. You know, the, like, like, what? There's a Miss Thang here. I, well, I just feel like the, the, the future, the next poses for me to achieve are just so hard that I'm like, I'm never going to do that. Like, I'm never going to do a handstand. I'm never going to, like, you know, I feel like I've just hit the peak. I know. <laughs> I kind of miss that feeling of when you achieve a pose for the first time and it's like, wow, you know, um, I mean, maybe that just means I need to start working on my handstand. I don't know. Everyone does get to a peak. Like, I feel like when I was at my, when I was in season three of my yoga practice, which was the alive days, 
that's when I felt like a rock star because after I'd like achieved rocket, but I kept doing it on my own terms because I wouldn't do any of the arm balances. And I just never really worked on arm balances. Yeah. Which sucks because to be honest, if I was at the level that I was at in 2017, that I like today, I'd be working on, if I was at that same fitness level, that same like yogic drive, doing Ashtanga really fast and doing like, and playing against the wall with my headstands and like Scorpion. And just like, I used to do everything against the wall. I was addicted to the wall. I even did wheel against the wall. I loved the wall. It <laughs> replaced like my, my weak upper body strength, you know? Yeah. And I was so confident. I would march up to the wall and just like <laughs> do whatever I wanted against the wall. And I wouldn't care that somebody was like doing the most beautiful headstand without anything. And like they're looking like the tarot card, the hanged man. I was so confident that I didn't even want to go into arm balances. I was like, I am good enough the way I am. <laughs> <laughs> So, but if I had that skill today, if I still had that strength and I know I can get it back, I just need to like, it needs to be the time yeah. for it. But then I would be putting my everything into arm balances right now. Yeah. You know, especially that one where it's like, you are the first person who, it's not bird of paradise. You're the first person, because I remember when you were like, and then you have to call your mom yeah yeah that one what is that one grasshopper yeah grasshopper i think i would start with grasshopper and then just go from there yeah is grasshopper really hard i would start with crow <laughs> crow is like the it's the gateway drug <laughs> you know the, the gateway uh, I'll, I'll keep practicing crow I should I was telling myself I need to practice it later anyway so crow class oh it's not going to be on there yet I'll put it on tomorrow are you gonna have like an actual crow class I did two crow classes today you're all about crow it was for you you didn't come <laughs> I'm so sorry I knew it I knew I forgot something okay no, it's okay I'll put them on the website tomorrow Okay. So we have some questions. We have a lot of questions. All right. If you want to go through a couple of them at least so that I can even just like cut out some awkward parts. Okay. And then you can sleep, I promise. Cool. So we have a lot of questions that came in this week, but we'll only do a couple of them. Um okay, here's an interesting one. What if I decide to take child's pose even though Warrior 2 was cued? Sometimes it feels like offending teachers when you do a pose they don't offer. No. Yeah, I would agree with that. It seems like that's just in their head. Yeah, if a teacher's offended, that's the teacher's issue. <laughs> I used to have a I used to have a teacher who would get really offended when people would do their own things. And there she's like she would say, you know, you came to class, you're, you're here to be led by me. And I'm like, I disagree with that. Some people just want to be in the room. Some people just want to be in the space. Maybe that's what they need today. And if they're in a child's pose, that's none of my business. <laughs> 
you know, like uh, that is what they need. And I think it's really empower, like really powerful and empowering that they know that about themselves and they feel confident enough to take it. Um, that's my opinion. What do you think? I actually agree with you. And uh, in this season of my practice, I've been taking child's poses way more often than I used to. Before I used to like punish myself for, I know my, I'm making my past yoga lives seem so intense. <laughs> like I'm just like abusing myself while I'm doing yoga, right? But no, I used to, it used to be a goal for me to not have to take child's pose in the middle of class or even in the middle of like super intense or non-intensive pose postures or flows. But really, when you need to take a child's pose, your body is trying to tell you something. Yeah. And it's okay to honor that and listen to it. And if you really feel like your teacher is judging you, don't go back to that teacher's class because they're clearly, whether they're not judging you and actual, like they're just clearly not for you. But I do always say, give every new teacher two chances. Yeah. Because first class, you're probably not gonna like them. Whether they're great or not, if it's your first time with them, there's gonna be something, or maybe you will like them, but something will bother you. You know, because you're just not used to it. So then give it a second chance. And if you can, even a third chance before you decide if you're going to go back to their class or not. And I also think it's important that to note, too, that teachers are constantly, like, evolving and growing, you know, and changing. And so even if you didn't like someone, like, a while back, like, go to their class again, they might have changed, you know? Exactly. They might have learned some new things. Mm -hmm. And uh, cool. Should we do one more question? Yeah. One more. You want to choose one? Uh, oh my gosh, this is a great question. How can I distinguish between pain and discomfort? That's a great question because I'm always saying, don't hold this if it's pain, but I don't really say what is pain, what is discomfort. How would you describe it, Yasmin? Oh, God. It's a really fine line for me because sometimes I'm too easy on myself and I'll decide right away like, oh no, this is uncomfortable. But I would say that pain is, okay, actually I have a good example. Sometimes my back goes out mm -hmm. in the middle of, and you, I've told you this before, yeah. like sometimes I've had to like roll off my mat and just like leave the room and, you know, and then that will be it. That is pain when you cannot get up, when you feel something sharp and like your body just kind of knows. But discomfort is when you're frustrated. Uh -huh. For me, it's the frustration that comes out. Yes, that's a it's, great. And it's like your body just keeps like whispering to you like, come on, you don't need to be doing this. It's like, all the discomforts in your head. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. But the pain is more of like an alarm being like, okay, 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 calm down. That's when I'm in pain, my body tries to calm me down. When I'm uncomfortable, my body tries to get me out of a situation. That's so interesting. I love that. I'm going to steal that. My next yin class, I'm going to use that. Please do. I'll quote you. 
<laughs> so yeah, that's, that's it. That's my opinion of it. What's yours? I love that. I love what you said. Um, I've, I've heard it described as like pain is just a sharpness. Um, but I love the way you've described that is that the discomfort is in your head. Cause it's true. That's what it is. It's discomfort being like, I don't want to be here. Um, but you know, when you haven't, you have a sharp, your body says no to something and that's when you need to move out of it. It's not like your head being like, I'm annoyed. You know, it's like a physical, my body is not meant to move in this way. And that's really important to honor. Yeah. When your mind is telling you we could have been watching Netflix right now, that's discomfort. <laughs> <laughs> but when your body is like actively trying to come up with a plan for you to roll off of the mat <laughs> successfully, <laughs> that's pain. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. This was a well, fun I, episode. I, it was. It was cute. I think that it was a good one to have, you know? It answered a lot of questions that yeah. people might have, uh, people might think. And I would love to dig in deeper to, like, things like how yoga can improve your skin, how it can improve your digestion. Yeah, what you find out. <laughs> you know, you're like, hey, remember the blog posts? What about that? <laughs> I want to read more about yoga and periods because I haven't thought about that in like years. Um, yeah. I mean, maybe there's something to it. Like I also didn't believe in chakras for a long time. You know, I didn't believe in Reiki for a long time. Like maybe I just haven't really Googled this whole concept and thought about it in a long time. And, and maybe I'd come across an opinion that changed my mind. Um, Ask us questions about yoga and wellness and we're going to be looking into this stuff a little bit more and you know, it's really interesting to know what kind of happy things your yoga practice is doing for your body. So Alex, do you have anything else you'd like to say to feel complete? No, this was a really good conversation. Thank you. I'll see you tomorrow. Maybe, maybe bar. Yeah. I'll see you tomorrow. And uh, everybody, thanks for listening and wait, share, subscribe, ask us questions. We are on Instagram at Chaturanga the Podcast. And yeah, that's that. Yay. See you next week. Bye. The Mindful Life Practice Community.